The best in Internet talk radio. A mind-bendingly ingenious plan to control the universe. We're building the best Internet talk radio on the planet. TalkZone.com It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, the scan is just oh, amazing. A soldier um, protecting us in Iraq um, survived a nine-inch stabbing of the knife through his brain. Actually went to the hospital with a cup over the knife and has lived to talk about it. Isn't that just fascinating? It's our focus each and every week uh, during this time all about women's health. And I know of no better person to join us today as our guide is Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf. She is Dean of Faculty in Vedic Medicine at the Maharshi Vedic University for Ladies. She has written great books about Ayurvedic Medicine for Women. She joins us today to talk about keeping yourself and your family healthy during this cold and flu time of the year, winter immunity, Vedic style, with Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf joining us right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, we've seen some interesting studies of late all about exercise and some various forms of exercise. In fact, I tell the story. It was just so startling of a major professor in this and research scientist in this arena from Ohio State University. I happened to have the opportunity to listen to a seminar on active aging, why Jack LaLanne and Elaine LaLanne were indeed the stars of this seminar on active aging. This professor of Ohio State University had compiled an impressive amount of research indicating that exercise is good medicine and exercise makes a difference, not only in your brain health, yes, <laughs> how well you remember now, why were you standing at the refrigerator and why am I here, um, heart health, immune system health, I mean an unfolding story that indi- indicates that you are less likely to get cancer and if you should have that challenge, do better if you exercise with the revelation that the single most important determining factor, whether or not you will remain independent in your later years is regular daily activity. No, you don't have to go out there and run 10 miles. You don't have to put on some strange-looking exercise clothes that make you look, or I guess that you make the, the clothes look even stranger and take some time and go to a gym. It's your daily activity, but not just sitting there, getting up and getting active does make a difference. And a particular form of not only exercise, but we know, of course, it's much more than that because it's about stress management, uh, improving your spiritual and, immu- and emotional health as well as exercise, has now been put to the test. Emory University School of Medicine measured the effects of an eight-week yoga routine in patients in heart failure. And what did they find? 
This is just amazing. They actually presented uh, this research about yoga at the American Heart Association's annual scientific sessions that are going on in Orlando, indicating that exercise reduced markers of inflammation whether it was interleukin-6 or C-reactor protein, they found that there was a, a, quote, significant difference in levels of biological markers in the blood between the patients who completed the yoga therapy versus those who got the standard medical therapy. And there was an increase um, in quality of life and an improvement in exercise tolerance. In fact, they found that those who did yoga saw a 26% decrease in symptoms versus those on standard medical therapy, only a 3% decrease uh, in in symptoms. Uh, that yoga is aerobic and it has a just a measurable effect on inflammatory markers. And this is Dr. Goldberg there at Emory State University uh, who prescribes both Tai Chi and yoga for both her heart attack and her heart failure patients. That why heart failure patients often have trouble doing vigorous aerobic exercise. If they start with yoga and Tai Chi, they can only reduce their inflammatory blood markers, improve their quality of life, and a 26% decrease in symptoms versus 3% with the standard medical therapy. Well, it's being called the super x-ray. Perhaps you've even seen some advertisements, some billboards, um, advertising that your local diagnostic center, heart institute, hospital, has invested in a 64-slice CT scan. And these scans are now being put to the test regarding taking a look at the health of your arteries and your heart. According to research at John Hopkins University, they believe that these ultra-fast uh, CT scans of the heart might eliminate the need for the 1.3 million cardiac catheterizations done each year in this country. They cost half what a CT scan does. They don't have the risk of bleeding, of an emergency uh, bu- emergency bypass, heart bypass surgery, um, the, the risk of mortality, morbidity from the procedure in the, uh, the dye, um, and why these scans deliver 10 times more radiation than the standard cardiac catheterization. We know certainly there are ways with inositol hexaphosphate or IP6 beta-glucan powdered vitamin C that you can help to protect your body against radiation. So, you know, it's a calculation. And I guess the take-home message is there is no one right way. You have to discuss with your physician, uh, should I undergo a cardiac catheterization? You always need to ask the question, how is this test going to change my diagnosis or my treatment versus these newer CT scans of the heart. And if you want this information uh, from John Hopkins indicating that they believe that this super x-ray of the heart will eliminate the need for cardiac catheterizations, we'll post it today at our website, healthytalkradio.com. And, of course, um, there are other 
functional ways to take a look at the function of the heart. So just don't think it's an either-or situation. You have many treatment options. Well, speaking of treatment options, many of us start to get a little concerned about our health. First and foremost, when it affects our vision. Two, when we look in the mirror and it's affecting the health of our skin. Now, a professor of dermatology at University of Miami, Dr. Leslie Bauman, has put together some great information uh, that the Detroit Free Press is carrying today in their health section about eight nutrients that help your skin. What are those nutrients? Green tea. That drinking two to four cups of green tea a day has a high content of flavonoid catechins, and that has a positive effect on collagen, hyaluronic acid, and elastin, which means less wrinkles. Red wine. Red wine has that same flavonoid collagen profile, similar to that of green tea. It helps to promote blood flow, uh, helps to relax uh, blood vessels, and again, it's one of those important nutrients for the health of your skin. The good fats, uh, flaxseed, um, sardines, uh, oily fish, omega-3 fortified eggs, walnuts, help to maintain those uh, cell membranes. So omega-3s actually also help to protect the skin against UV damage and also um, uh, help to combat dry skin from the inside out. Vitamin E is on the list. It helps to protect our cell membranes and guards against uh, damage from the sun. Beta-glucan, um, particularly the mixed uh, carotenes, um, like beta-carotene, do a great job in helping to grow and repair skin tissue, protect it from skin damage. Vitamin C goes without saying, according to Dr. Bauman from University of Miami, involved in collagen production and protects your skin cells from free radical damage. And then there's selenium. Selenium delays aging by, protre- by protecting the quality and the elasticity of your skin. And selenium also helps to uh, safeguard the skin from sun damage. And then there's the types of grains you eat. If you're going to eat grains, only eat whole grains because refined grains cause blood sugar spikes that accelerate aging when eating more whole grain carbs can lead to less wrinkles and an overall healthier skin. All about eight nutrients that help your skin, that changes in your diets with these nutrients, green tea, red wine, the omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin E, the carotenes, vitamin C, selenium, and whole grains will make a difference. At the bottom of the hour, our women's health focus with Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf joining us today, talking about keeping you and your family healthy throughout the wintertime at 800-307-3002 on Healthy Talk Radio. The most affordable health insurance on earth, Healthy Talk Radio. Coming up, our focus on women's health with Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf, a well-known educator as well as physician with expertise in women's health, joining us to talk about winter immunity, keeping you and your family healthy during these winter months, keeping colds and flu at bay using Ayurvedic 
medical or, or I guess more accurately a health care system. Be remiss not to mention research coming out of the Leiden University Medical Center in, in the Netherlands that has been tracking nine thousand staffers of large international companies over a five-year period. Uh, these results are already available, but they're going to be published um, this fall online in the uh, Public Library of Science Journal, which is a very interesting British medical journal that takes no advertising dollars uh, from any pharmaceutical drug sources. And my own personal opinion is they tend to uh, publish articles that are a lot more objective, um, much less sponsors' influence. And now what they, um, uh, these Dutch researchers are putting together is a picture of business travelers and the risk that they potentially put themselves under regarding life-threatening uh, blood clots that out of every 4,500 people who fly, one will get deep vein thrombosis within eight weeks after travel. But that's, of course, you know, not a really huge amount. You say one out of 4,500, you know, within eight weeks. But the risk increases with the length of the flight and the number of flights in a short period and whether or not that person is overweight or even obese um, carries their weight around their middle, is taking birth control pills or hormone replacement therapy, maybe has um, a family history of either coagulation, blood clotting disorders, um, uh, can increase that risk almost 50-fold. So while we you know, have the very visible news focus on the pregnant women, um, on former uh, Vice President Dan Quayle, on others who have uh, suffered these blood clots while flying. There are a growing number of people who do recognize that we live an inflammatory lifestyle, that particularly uh, uh, people who suffer from migraines, and it's often women, um, that inflammation impacts blood vessels, which not only relates uh, to a migraine headache, but also can relate to an increased risk of blood clots because of how this inflammation, these inflammatory markers, can affect certain um, clotting factors like fibrinogen that might make that person much more likely to develop a clot, which can lead to a heart attack and stroke. The key is you have to remain active. You have to get up and walk, I know. <laughs> it may not make you uh, popular with uh, your seatmates, particularly if you're sitting in the window seat, uh, that you have to adequately hydrate yourself. Uh, water, yes, it does work. It does work. Um, of course, anything that you can do to diminish inflammation, and that includes eating more fresh fruits and vegetables, if you can get sources of natural anti-inflammatory uh, food ingredients and nutrients, things like ginger and garlic, curry, um, take more of the omega-3 fatty acids from uh, cold water fish or walnuts or flax or sea vegetables. That why many of us turn to things like aspirin and uh, blood thinners, uh, they can also 
have risk, and when you're traveling, you don't want to have excessive bleeding in a strange and, and unfamiliar uh, uh, place. But there's also the fact that when they pressurize the cabin, that low air pressure in the uh, the plane actually affects our blood's complex coagulation system. That when that oxygen level goes down, the body behaves as if it is losing blood, making clot formation more likely. So it's all part of the picture that you need to be aware of this. And just as you are on a, a regular basis, make wise choices that can reduce um, your risk of uh, deadly risk of blood clots while flying. What's in the personal uh, journal of today's uh, Wall Street Journal? Is there a heart attack in your future? That any number of laboratories out there now, 23andMe, um, Myriad Genetics, Decode Genetics, uh, Affymetrics, are offering genetic testing. Price is pretty up there. It's uh, you know better than two thousand dollars, two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars to map your genetic. I guess your, your your genetic map to lay out your genetic map to read your genetic closet. Of course, there are many who say that uh, gee, you know, health insurance aren't likely to cover these tests until the studies link the test to improved health. But it is a unique way of determining your genetic predispositions. You know, is your family history, um, is your genetic predisposition one that puts you at high risk, for example, of inflammation? And then you're much more mindful of the lifestyle risk factors that may result in those genes expressing themselves with a higher risk of heart disease, uh, cancer, diabetes. But there are others who indicate that it's too early to tell about these genetic tests. I um, personally had it done several years ago, and it was after much deliberation because my premise was I was making wise lifestyle choices, had for many years. Uh, After all, I was that Crohn's colitis patient in my uh, 20s who learned the hard way, the power of my plate, um, how to make wiser food choices, particularly as it related to the amount and types of fiber in my diet, that I didn't get the nutrients that I needed from my, my three square meals a day that I needed to, to supplement. Um, I needed to be mindful of the fact that uh, my gut's second nervous system did a good uh, job of storing those emotions uh, whenever uh, uh, there was an upset. So I was already making those lifestyle choices and thought, you know, a genetic test? You know, if I have some rare genetic disease or some predisposition to uh, to a life-challenging disease, uh, I don't know that I, I really want to, to have that added worry. I had the test, and it was from one of the laboratories that specializes in not only genetic testing, but taking that one step further, laying out a lifestyle program to address your genetic predisposition. In other words, I have the allele for inflammation, and I've become much more mindful. Of course, I had a history of colitis, inflammatory disease, um, to to take my omega-3 fatty acid oils. Uh, in terms of bone health, uh, you know, I have that uh, genetic predisposition to, to thinner bones. 
So I do a lot more weight-bearing exercise, make sure I'm getting enough vitamin D as well as magnesium and other minerals and nutrients to build strong bones. So while genetic tests are promising to map your personal health risk, it's back to you to not only know your genetic history, your genetic map, but also put that together with the lifestyle choices that you make each and every day. That's when it becomes the opportunity to to empower yourself that you can actually affect genetic expression. You know, keep in mind the Japanese study that if you had uh, type 2 diabetes, you could actually inactivate 27 different genes that control blood sugar just by learning to laugh each and every day. We're going to return. It's our regular weekly focus all about women's health. I know of no better guide than a noted author, educator, and physician in that arena. Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf joining us today. We'll be talking about keeping you and your family healthy. It's all about a, a Mar- uh, Ayurvedic approach to winter immunity. We invite you to join us right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. The Women's Health Hour is brought to you by Age Best Basics. Be your best at any age. We have a very special guest joining us today to talk about a, a, an important aspect of women's health. This is the time of the year, and of course, uh, we remain uh, caregivers, not only uh, for ourselves, hopefully, but uh, for uh, primarily for members of our family. When um, the weather changes, we start to see oh, the first creeping up of colds and flu. Of course, the Centers for Disease Control uh, tells us an average of six to eight bouts of colds and flu a year uh, will we'll certainly include information on how to uh, cut down on that number, but how do you keep you and your family healthy using a time-tested ancient system of health care? We'll be talking about uh, dealing with colds and flu from the Maharshi Ayurvedic uh, model with a special guest who joins us today. Her books uh, never fail to educate and empower each and every one of us. One of my personal favorites, A Woman's Best Medicine, The Ageless Woman. She's not only a, a noted physician, educator, dean of faculty in Vedic medicine at the Maharshi Vedic University for Ladies, but noted author who joins us today, Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf. Dr. Lonsdorf, a real privilege and pleasure. Hello and welcome. Thank you, Deborah. It's great to be back. So this is the time of the year when we we start to see some seasonal changes and this time-tested system of health care connects us with rhythms and seasons uh, in a way, of course, that we don't often find in our conventional approach. Give us a broad-based overview of of Maharshi Ayurvedic system of health care, particularly around this time of the year, Dr. Lonsdorf. Basically, Maharshi Ayurveda is a comprehensive system of natural health care from the Vedic civilization of ancient India, and it really emphasizes the concept of balance, that our body is inherently programmed to stay healthy. And if we can learn how to treat it properly, and that includes 
helping it through the changes that occur with changing seasons, then we are going to be healthier, much healthier than if we just go blindly through life um, without really understanding these cycles and changes. And when it comes to immunity and the change of seasons, right now we're at a change from a season of, of course, summer, which is a season of the sun and hot and and uh, heat and, and good um, warmth. And that season we're much less likely to get, funnily enough, a cold. <laughs> Even in the word cold, we have an implication that is going to be um, a problem that comes up in the colder weather. And indeed, Ayurveda describes there are three seasons, the one governed by the sun and heat called the pitta season of the summer, which we're just leaving, and then um, two cold seasons. The first one is a dry cold season called vata, which runs from about November now through February. And then there's the wet cold season in the spring. As we think about snow melting and cold spring rains, and uh, allergies and mucus problems, those are the wet cold uh, symptoms, and uh, they come up during the spring. So right now, we have a big shift going on in our body from an adaptation to this hot weather to ha- um, this cold weather, which body's trying to adapt to, and we can do some very practical things in our diet and our daily routine that will help the body adapt. And the principle here for staying well that we'll be focusing on is actually described in Maharshi Ayurveda in the ancient text, and it's called the Bij Bhumi Theory. Bij means seed, and Bhumi means earth or soil. And we put a lot of attention in our modern medical approach to the seed. In other words, um, to get sick with a cold, you have to have a bug there somewhere. Um, there has to be a virus of some type or perhaps a sinus infection may be caused by a bacteria occasionally. So you need an organism. And we focus very much on that with antibiotics or with antivirals, but we don't put as much attention on the soil. And the concept here is that for a seed to sprout, it has to be in a soil that is fertile for that seed to sprout. So a bacteria or a virus is not going to be able to take hold in our bodies if the environment of our bodies, the, the internal state, is not conducive sure. to an infection. Sure. And the strength of immunity is one thing, and the ability of our immune system to move through the body, um, that the channels aren't clogged, there isn't a lot of congestion or mucus or what Ayurveda calls ama, which blocks the channels. Well, um, that's an important thing to avoid, and we'll talk now um, about how to make sure our immune system is strong and can function during this um, change of season. Because we think of things like stress, um, holiday a time where we're consuming more sugar, um, uh, all of these factors in addition to you know simple hygiene measures putting us uh, at risk. What can we learn from, from the Harshi Vedic model in terms of you know, what are the risk factors that affect immune function, Dr. Lonsdorf? Well, Deborah, you just, you just mentioned them in a nutshell. Exactly right. One is stress and two is what we're eating. And Ayurveda associates those with the two doshas, vata, which governs our nervous system, which directly affects our hormones and our immune system, and 
The second one is the kapha, the dosha that governs our substance, and that's affected most by our diet. So to keep um, healthy, we need to keep these two factors in balance. So the first one, vata, um, what most affects vata, our balance of our nervous system, is our routine and how we're handling stress and what kind of stress we're putting ourselves under. First of all, good sleep is an obvious, very important thing for strong immunity. And Ayurveda recommends that everyone go to bed early so that we are sure to get enough hours, but also that the quality of the sleep will be better and our immune system will be stronger. And we, of course, avoid the stress of staying up late when we're very tired, which any experience that gets us overly tired or off our usual routine will stress our system and weaken our immunity. Even just one day, many people have experienced, maybe they were doing just fine, but there was one day they had to stay up until midnight or 1 o'clock and do something, and it was the next day they came down with something because our bodies are constantly having to battle um, viruses during the winter season. We may have one in the body for a week and not even know it, and then it'll be gone and we never got sick, or if we... Um, weaken ourselves through excess stress, then it could come out. So another principle, very interestingly, again, against the cold, to avoid cold, is to keep your head warm and your nose warm. If you're out in a cold wind, be sure you have a scarf and a hat on. Uh, it sounds like an old wives' tale, but they've actually done a study on this recently, and indeed they found that those who kept their head and noses warm uh, in the winter had less cold. And it makes sense because it means the circulation to those areas, bringing blood filled with our white blood cells, our immune cells, can get into those areas, which are the first line of attack by viruses and bacteria. Another thing would be to take care of your stress, practicing yoga, getting regular exercise, but perhaps not running a marathon, which we know creates so much stress that one's more prone to a cold or flu right after. Um, practicing transcendental meditation is a key recommendation of Maharshi Ayurveda for stress, and it's been shown to lower cortisol, which will, um, cortisol is the, the stress hormone and actually suppresses our immune system. So when we can get cortisol lower, by any means, we're going to strengthen our immunity. So those are the main points for balancing vata, and we can go into the diet and, and balancing kapha um, next. Before we go uh, uh, further, though, you know this 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 knowledge that, for example, I'm, I'm reminded, Dr. Lonsdorf, of a study of Palestinian women who live in a stress-filled environment, uh, 24/7. They all had higher blood markers of inflammation, and we were talking earlier about a a study just presented at the American Heart Association's annual conference uh, in Orlando by Emory University researchers. There is a a female physician there, Dr. Goldberg, who recommends all her heart failure patients practice yoga and they all showed lower blood markers of both the C-reactive protein and interleukin-6 which confirmed you know, the reason why um, they benefited um, not only from the standpoint that they I mean, it was like a, a 10 um, almost a 20 fold decrease in symptoms versus uh, those receiving the standard therapy uh, but there was something much more fundamental in terms of, of dampening that body's inflammatory uh, uh, blood markers with yoga. I found that fascinating. It is fascinating. The body, all the different systems of the body are interconnected. 
the heart system does not live in isolation from our immune system or from our digestive tract or from our mental uh, and emotional life. They're all impacting everything. So that is why looking at a concept that's more broad, like Ayurveda tells us to look at what is common to all the systems. It says all of them have these three dosha values, metabolism, movement, and substance. And if we can get those balanced, Ayurveda says if you have these three values balanced and you have good digestion, then you will be healthy. So just natural things are so powerful because they impact all of those systems at the same time. So, and diet um, is influenced, of course, <clears throat> influences inflammation also. And Ayurveda tells us there's a concept of either we're eating good, healthy food, which will <clears throat> strengthen our immune system and promote balance, lack of inflammation, or maybe we're eating junk and things that cause the immune system to overreact with inflammation and can lead to buildup in the channels, a clogging in the channels. So during the change of season, because of the weather changing, it influences our digestive ability. And this is an important time to be extra careful with diet. Some things you may have gotten away with in the middle of the summer, you may not get away with now, like eating ice cream, a favorite thing in July. But this is the time absolutely to stay away from anything that could suppress your digestion. And simply put, anything that is cold is going to reduce the activity of your acids and your enzymes. Enzymes are programmed basically to work at 98.6 or warmer. They catalyze the chemical reactions that break our food down. And if we put something ice cold down, like drink ice cold water or have ice cream after a meal, for example, is the worst time, we're going to suppress our body's digestion. And what happens is not nothing. It, it means that we're not going to break that food down well, and Ayurveda tells us that we will absorb some of it anyway, but it'll be in a form that the body can't use. It'll be unbroken down or not completely broken down, and that can clog the channels and promote mucus. Perhaps some, some of your listeners have had the experience that they had a roast beef or a pizza at midnight, and the next morning they woke up and their neck was stiff and they had some sinus congestion or maybe a headache. Those are signs that that food wasn't well digested and created a clogging in the channel. So this is the time of year to be really cognizant to eat warm, cooked food. Don't eat heavily in the evening. Eat soupy and light food, some vegetables or grains in the evening. And save your big meal for the, the middle of the day. And another tip, uh, the Ayurvedic texts tell us at the change of season, one should not only avoid ice-cold water, um, which it says we should avoid generally anyway right. to preserve digestion, but to sip hot water throughout the day. Just have a cup of hot water and, and, and take a few sips every half hour or hour or so. And that's amazing for clearing the head and getting rid of some blockage and mucus. That could be a hotbed for um, viruses and, and bacteria to start to grow in. I know so many women who say that made such a difference, Dr. Lonsdorf, and also when they understood that, um, you know, women, um, I guess, I guess in, in our culture, you know, tend to think, uh, raw, uh, fresh, uh, cold salads are somehow <laughs> healthful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now that's a, another food that tastes really good in the summer and probably is, um, 
you know, appropriate because the body wants more fluid and coldness to balance the heat and the drying effect of the sun. But now this time of year, you want hydration, but soups and, and warm drinks and warm things, um, teas without the caffeine, not so much caffeine, which again constricts the peripheral circulation, but nice warm chamomile teas or ginger tea or licorice tea, those are, are really good this time of year. And speaking of that, um, I just touched on another really valuable thing we can add to our diet at this time of year, and that is spices. And spices are more than just flavorings. They are actually powerful herbs, powerful antioxidants, and many of them powerful immune stimulants. I want to hear more. I want to ask you to hold on that thought. We'll be back with more of Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf joining us today, a well-known educator, dean of faculty in Vedic medicine at the Maharshi Vedic University for Ladies, author, you must read, A Woman's Best Medicine, The Ageless Woman, her more recent book. We're talking today about keeping yourself and your family healthy, winter immunity on Healthy Talk Radio. Check out Deborah Ray online, now with live audio streaming and audio archives of past shows, plus news stories, guest information, and the fast way to find books you've heard mentioned on the show, only at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Educator, physician, author, you must read The Ageless Woman, A Woman's Best Medicine, Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf joining us today. We're talking about keeping you and your family healthy, uh, winter immunity in the Maharshi Ayurvedic uh, uh, model, focusing on spices, which you know we, we almost hear on a daily basis, things like cinnamon, ginger, uh, curry, uh, have so many medicinal benefits. Uh, tie the, uh, the dots together, uh, Dr. Lonsdorf, in terms of winter immunity, if you would, please. Well, these spices, besides their... Um, direct antioxidant effects and other effects, they improve our digestion and they help the body to um, break down the food properly so that we don't get congested and don't have sluggish circulation or um, build up in the sinuses in which um, bacteria could grow. So the best spices this time of year for most people would be to have some fresh ginger to cook with some turmeric, you can add a pinch to any of your grains or your cereals, hot cereals in the morning or vegetables. Add a little black pepper to the food. Cinnamon is great, especially if you're having any dairy products. Um, milk should be um, boiled and, and drink it warm with cinnamon. It's a wonderful treat before bed. And putting some spice in it will help to prevent it from causing mucus. And there are a couple other spices that directly will enhance immunity. We, we're familiar with garlic and its properties for enhancing immunity. And also saffron, that beautiful yellow-orange spice that you can put in rice or really in anything. Um, and it gives a beautiful yellow-golden color. And it has direct effects to improve immunity also. So spices, warm spices, eat warm foods, keep warm. Everything warm will help ward off the cold. Absolutely, and I'm sure if you look around these days and look at the CDC's pronouncement, at six to eight bouts of colds and flu a year, we can almost predict that. <laughs> Dr. Yeah, well, it's hard to avoid at least one, but I think with with this knowledge, you could, uh, nobody should be getting six to eight a year. That's a sign of imbalance. 
um, you know, nobody should be getting any, but it, one or two a year um, when, you know, maybe your immunity broke down because of some extraordinary circumstances. But it's a sign that generally we're not living in tune with nature. We're not living in tune with these cycles and honoring them. And also we're not um, taking care of our digestion, eating too heavy at night on a habitual basis. That's often people's main meal. Drinking ice water with a meal, those things should be avoided. In general, throughout the year, more warm cooked foods, main meal at noon, get good sleep, manage your stress. You won't get six day colds a year. You'll be healthy. Beautiful job. Great information. A real privilege. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Deborah. Our thanks to Dr. Nancy Lonsdorf who joined us today of Women's Health Focus, Women's Immunity from a Maharshi Ayurvedic model, keeping yourself and your family healthy. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.